Black Dog Earthlets. <laughs> my name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 204th episode of Space no! Spitter 2000. No! Yeah. Podcast for two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, oh. we're covering 2000 AD for July and August, 1989, prog 637 to 640. This but. time, we're dealing, Jesus, with the whole animal <laughs> kingdom as ants and from ants and spiders to alien bugs, from man-brained panthers to block nest monsters, from shuttle wow. dogs to whatever the heck feral is. <laughs> Uh, well, like uh, loose cannon slash uh, less interesting, I guess. Yeah, freaking Poochie the dog, if you ask me. Oh, anyway, yeah. if you want to read along, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 13, Judge Anderson Sci Files Volume 1, Judge Dredd Magazine 345, Strong Team Dog, The Final Solution, and that's it. Because I typed it out wrong. All right. Three, four, five. <laughs> 345. Yeah. No, I know. That's just like, it's the worst number. It's next. I mean, to it's okay. Like one, two, three. You know, it's it's when they uh, it's it's when they reprinted all of this tales from the doghouse. I guess so. FYI, yeah, okay. Yeah, and speaking of, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 terrifying views of the future. Fox always a good choice in two thousand AD. <laughs> terrifying, terrifying uh, remote viewings of the future. Speaking of suckers, telecommuting, Fox. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go to. <laughs> Thrill one, Anderson, side vision. Oh, man. It's real good when you, uh, well, walk into a room full of people getting crispy. Listen, Scots, if you ask me. Um, so, <laughs> dreaming, uh, script about Alan Grant, art about Arthur Ranson, letter about Gordon Robson, his kid. Uh, dreaming children, Leslie and Coran. No, Coran uh, and Leslie. Coran and so, me? I don't know. Miss- like they've they've got kind of a shared headspace, especially when they're when they're uh, or a, a shared sense of self when they're astral projecting like this or dreaming. Twins, or am I right? Mm. They flee Ronnie Ronnie McScotts as just Anderson arrives after getting a side flash, and she finds all the people inside uh, burning up. Their bodies but, are aflame, but their clothes and other, and everything else in the in the place isn't burning at all. Combustion, real much. Yes. It's just a huge mess. There's only one thing to do, Fox, and that's get mercy killing. (laughs) (laughs) With like the old school uh, uh, JD shooter. Yeah, bullet to the head. Well, no, I mean like it's it's got like the big rectangle and uh, giant circle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Arthur Ranson draws um, a slightly different lawgiver. He's got that uh, the secondary clip coming out of the top of it, I believe. Which is. uh, It's not the new form, but they still got it. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it can sort of go back and forth. Lawgivers, of course, very much mm. in the eye of the, of the art droid that's that's uh, drawing it. All sure. these ones are variations on the same one with kind of the pointier barrel and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, we're still year, we're still maybe over a decade away from the uh, newer, um, like, movie-inspired Lawgiver Mark II that will sort of – that they use nowadays. Mm. Um, shink, shink, shink. Exactly. Um, the girls are awake and scared, but comforted by their mom. Anderson's recalling the time that uh, Dredd killed a bunch of citizens from rad poisoning during the Apocalypse War. Oof. And apparently here, Anderson has killed everyone until she ran out of bullets. So she's she, uh, she executed 36 people until to watch a dozen burn to death before her eyes. That's real fucked. 
Yeah, seriously. She's freaking out about it as the fire department arrives and then drives off into the night. She calls in in a forensic squad for the 48 cases of spontaneous combustion and calls Dr. Rickard at Central as well. And this is our first time uh, with Doc Rickard, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, at the apartment of that of that of that kid we met, uh, Eric, oh, that boy, his stepfather walks into his room, belt drawn, and we see that he has drawn pictures of spontaneous combustion as well. God, just the, the fact that the dad is ready to belt is a real fucking fuck. Absolutely. So Anderson is at the the Department of Fortean Events, a term coined by Charles Fort, and that basically just means anom- anomalous and or paranormal phenomenon, Fox. Like if it be in an episode of untold of unsolved mysteries or something, then it's a Fortean event. Okay, did not know that. But it can also include like like a Bigfoot and shit, like whatever. Just weird, weird, unexplained stuff is a Fortean event. If you want to sort of, if you want to sound smart about it, I guess. But yeah, she's talking to crazy old man Doc Rickard, who uh, walks through a lab full of images of ancient gods and weird monsters. As he just sort of says that this and the hitchhiker she met could be connected, but if they are then that implies a deeper psionic agency, which is bad times. There seems to be this, like, separation between the two. Like, she doesn't actually come into contact with them very much, but I love how laissez-faire he is about it. He's like, bring questions, we already have the answers. Pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this feels like, I mean, we know there's a bunch of different parts of a side division, you know, mm-hmm. like, like between telepaths and empaths, but there's also, like, some pyrokinetics and like some uh, some people that can like sort of um, I, forget, I, I forget what you call it, but uh, where you can take an object and sort of read the past through that and stuff like that. Exactly. And, you know, there's people that are that that are seeing the future and stuff. And so this guy just seems like yeah, he's sort of part of the uh, deeper, he- crazier parts of Mega City. When I guess hey. weird stuff. Ha- I guess weird stuff happens in Mega City when you you know you need somebody central to deal with the vampires and the werewolves and the World War II fighter jets that appear out of uh, <laughs> out of time portals in the sky. You know, he's got this Dewey Decimal System kind of on point for like, oh, okay, let's cross reference your pyrokinetics with uh, an old yeah. god being inside of a young boy. Oh, okay, here's here's your problem right here. Yeah, I mean, we we've talked about uh, the judges in Mega City One being very prepared for for these mm-hmm. for a, a, any of these situations. You know, there, there's an exorcist squad, etc. So it only really makes sense that there there'd be some guy that is sort of in charge of uh, yeah, or you know, some department in, or section in, uh, in, 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 in charge of researching stuff. The most rad archives ever, definitely. <laughs> yeah, very Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like here's oh, this yeah. section. Here's this section just full of old books about curses and monsters. Sort of. Oh thing. man, that's so rad. <laughs> so uh, Anderson heads out in the sunrises that that morning. The girls learn about the fires at Ronnie McScott's on TV and tell their mom to call the judges once they're once they've gone to school. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Sylvester, the stepdad, gets oh, up and right. storms out of the house at a park that's full of fake ducks and fake trees and fake grass. I think it's pretty interesting. We see all these signs. Ducks. Yeah, we see all these signs of like feeding microchips to the fake ducks and not to walk on the fake grass and stuff. Um, but he goes. To meet a, a a a yuppie in a jogging outfit, Sylvester <laughs> um, <laughs> says says he wants to quit. It's not right to be beating his stepson all the time like this. So he's and not man, a huge dick. I mean, he you know he has the actions of a huge dick, and at some point, what's the you know what's the difference? one way or another? Like he's still beating the shit out of that kid with a belt, mm-hmm. you know. 
But um, we do learn that's a little bit more complicated as the man pulls a gun and says, you, you'd better keep beating that kid up or whatever. I'll <laughs> cap, you, cap a, you right here. It's such a fucked exchange. Yeah, you really just like, just like, all right, like, listen, let, let, let me get my pistol out and start waving it around if you don't want to do this job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so Sylvester agrees, I guess, and the man tells him to give the kid, Eric, the beating of a lifetime tonight. Oh, God. <laughs> Overwhelmed by the city and everything in it, Anderson takes to the streets, finds some muggers, and just starts beating them up, which I guess clears her mind of psychic intrusions. I, it was a thing that I had to immediately message you with. Yeah. <laughs> and you had to check if I was okay. Like, like there's only one way to clear your mind as a as a cop, really. Like, if you're having some trouble, just, you know, uh, beat some people within an inch of their life. That's in the law. I mean, I guess this is what this is what happens when your previous uh, uh, way of clearing your mind going to the disco uh, ended in gunfire and death, you know? (laughs) So instead, just police brutality. That seems normal. I mean, from what we know from like Crazy Barry and stuff like that, like if Anderson just does this every couple of weeks, he's probably on the light side of the average street judge, to be honest. (laughs) Fair. There's a reason why we why we call Mega City one a fascist dystopia, Fox. You know, it's not cool there. You no. don't want to live there. You know, do not. So so she calls it in um, and is told to meet with Citizen Ryan at the Dan Raspler block. And Dan Raspler is an editor and writer at DC Comics, probably actually working with Alan Grant last time because we know Eric lives at the at a block named for uh, the writer that that Grant's working on on Batman at this time. Interesting. Um, meanwhile, that jogger from last episode arrives at a limo and gets in, greeting his driver, Turbo. He <laughs> writes some kind of a, st- a status report on the triad deal on this, like, fancy square computer. I mean, like, it's an it's ergonomic keyboard. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a cube, and you kind of put your hands around it to type and stuff, although we do see that, that it has a, a QWERTY keyboard sort of built into it. Exactly. Um, but it's on the wrong side of the th- – uh, I don't know. I had some ergonomic <laughs> issues with this thing, Fox. <laughs> Um, but he sends a scrambled message to a satellite soon because it's also mm. got a built-in fax machine, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's 1989, you know. Um, at the Raspler block, Anderson talks to Leslie and Corian's mom about what they dreamed last night. It seems they were side tested at age two because that's just sort of again we see them sort of Mega City One knowing how this shit works. Because if you've got twins, they got to be tested for psychic abilities <laughs> as soon as possible. If they like, do a if they do a group think, you gotta know. You gotta know early we, on. You're gonna. I mean, if you don't, and you just let these twins be unsupervised, you get exactly this situation. Fox, I, that's kind of what I mean. It's like clearly they're a little bit too loose. Yeah, Anderson notes that some kids develop powers near puberty, and the mom agrees that that's what the man from the follow-up unit said. That twigs Anderson mm. because follow-up they unit. don't have a follow-up oh. unit. Set an extra place for supper because I'm checking out your kids' dreams. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll just sit in this chair, you know? Yeah. So at their apartment, Eric's mom tries to talk Sylvester out of beating Eric all the time, and he just gets up and removes his belt and goes to kick the shit out of him again. God. Jesus Christ. Eric thinks his mantra, I hate him, I hate him, I wish he was dead. There's no, like, a, like a spaces in there, because it's just, he's just thinking it constantly as his, as his really over horrible. again. 
Absolutely. Meanwhile, Corinne and Leslie get, get ready for bed and Anderson promises to look over them. And it's a real freaking juxtaposition of these like happy twins, like playing around with Anderson and like, you know, having a nice <laughs> dream time versus Eric, like going to bed, like uh, covered in, you know, covered in injuries from his abusive stepfather. You well, know, and you start and you start seeing it throughout the dreams. Like you see this kind of like, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him, yeah. I hate him. I no, want to absolutely. make him dead. Yeah. Like, um, so sh- sh- Anderson sits in a chair as the girls astral project. She follows them as they arrive at a big theater in the Elliot Ness block, who is, of course, the treasury agent that, that took down Al Capone. There's a movie showing Fergo first blood, Fergo and first blood, which is like a, a Fergie from the Judge Cow stories given a, um, <laughs> an, an action film. And I like that. Uh, also the, uh, the logo for this movie theater chain is Flix, which is the same one for the movie column Flix that we'll mm. see later in this, in this issue. Um, but anyway, Anderson faintly hears, like you said, Eric's mantra of I hate him, like coming through this dreamscape. And as it does, all hell breaks loose, rising from the lake. It's the block Ness monster. Uh, you get it? You get it? Because they're at the Elliot Ness block. Yeah, yeah. it's good times. Anyway, uh, Anderson rushes back to her body, calls it into control, and calls it into control as the monster picks up a truck with its jaws and flings it at a nearby citizen. All squads required. And there's kind of a funny moment here, I think, as a uh, Ranson draws Anderson running, and it's a full-on like cartoon, like <laughs> ah, kind of galloping, <laughs> kind of move. Next time, deep probe. Uh, no one likes those, man. I hate a deep probe. Let's move on. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> really fun stuff here. Um, mm-hmm. I love, you know, Arthur Ranson's such a great artist and um, the way his really realistic style is juxtaposed, not just with like like obvious crazy stuff like the Block Ness Monster or something, but even just like kind of regular sci-fi stuff like just Anderson's um, outfit or people kind of like it's – you know, people wearing like like ridiculous Mega City One fashions and stuff. It sure. feels more real and grounded here, which makes it gives a very interesting look that just well, kind of I don't know. I definitely feel like it is. It, you feel it in the story where it's such a slow burn, and with mm-hmm. the art, it really doubles down on this kind of noir aspect. Yeah. Right? the The twins are not the creepy part of all of this. If you get my meaning, like usually yeah. that's kind of like the easy go to, and. Even yeah, the true. beating it's, it's the of only- the sun is is actually grounded in like this stepdad who's like, this ain't right. I'll still yeah. take the money. Someone sticks and a the- gun in my face. I'm still and not sticking to be killed. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it, it's nice. It, it Not nice, but it's like it's a, no, it's a, it's a story, very yeah. fully fleshed story. I like this a lot. It is a good point that I think this is the only time where there's been a work of fiction with psychic twins where they aren't like creepy and weird. <laughs> You definitely get the feeling. I mean, like early on, you don't. I at least I didn't really realize that that it might be fully connected. Like last last episode, I was just like, mm-hmm. "Oh, triad! I'm getting this now." Yeah, because they they well, definitely try of, to throw you yeah. for a loop with the actual like text that they use for it. You know, yeah. Like, I mean, it's as all, the story's it's all developing, very... they connected more. Absolutely, you know. Exactly. I just think that they they know what they're doing now oh, yeah. that I that I sort of realize it. Like the triad portions is to throw you for a loop that it's some kind of triad thing because it's like <laughs> yeah, it's this not, Asian yeah. font. Yeah. 
it, it's it, it's it's not the Asian uh, mafia thing well, that we might have worried. But that's that it was. what I think is so self-aware about the whole thing, and where I yeah. like I'm. That's where I'm enjoying it the most. I guess definitely. Yeah, good times. Yeah. And speaking of a complex scripting, Fox uh, guess, <laughs> developed characters because I, I like this story uh, a fair amount. It's a thrill two medevac three one eight. Oh boy, me less the first half, more the second half. Mm, it's got ups and downs. Uh, script robot, like a like like a space cell, like a space ambulance, I guess. Uh, script robot Hillary Robinson, art robot Nigel Dobbin, letter robot Jack Potter. We check in on our nurse friend Verity McKinnon at a pilot school, learning about flying and easily passing supplemental medical classes as she worries about people she's met in the past that have been hurt in the Generate War. Is she more of a maverick or a goose? Do you think? Ooh, I would say she's like I, honestly. Uh, well, wait. Hold on, actually, because yeah, there we, um, go. we yeah. see her flying in in the simulator and failing, and gets razzed by another recruit mm-hmm. named Cruz, mm-hmm. who is surely the Maverick in this situation. She's more like uh, whoever uh, uh, Iceman's uh, co-pilot was, maybe. Oh yeah, what? Who was that guy? I don't know. I remember Val Kilmer, but not his co-pilot. But I remember those guys were bros. <laughs> Rio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, 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 she. she She's more of a Rio, and then Wade is kind of an Iceman, I think. Oh, excuse me, um, Slider. Slider. Okay. So, Iceman Rio was Ron Slider Kerners. So, it's Slider. <laughs> Good times. Um, after four out, um, after four weeks, Verity's lacking behind on pilot training, so she does a tr- so she has a quick training montage of the simulator, re- remembering how uh, get how uh, uh, Gib Wade uh, flew so well. Um, a vet, or sorry, I, I, I guess it was Grady that uh, flew the, that 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 uh, did, did the crazy takeoff. But anyway, um, eventually she masters the technique, and soon she's doing well. She's debriefed by the bosses about the generate sting we saw in her last story, and because she's doing so well, she gets offered a shot to go back to Zygote and get back to ambulance work. <sighs> Yelling at herself internally ambulance? for doing this, she agrees. Sorry, sorry, what was that? She got a better ambulance, right? Like something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've, they've given her a new upgraded ambulance to sort of basically, you know, they got to get these ambulances to the hospitals. And so they just kind mm. of like, all right, you're a drive, you know, you're good enough to drive. So get in this ambulance and drive it to the hospital and then just sort of stay there. Cool. The war's raging on the planet Zygote between the Generate and Fosker people. A figure arrives at a bunker through heavy shelling. One of the battle groups is nearing the Generate HQ, and this guy's going with him. He's a lion dude. Yeah, he's got this nice little kind of, not like a bowl cut, but like the longer bowl cut. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got like his uh, his mane has been cut into this kind of pixie cut kind of thing or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, there we go. Like a pixie or an A-Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Bob. That That's what I'm looking for. Um <laughs> I love that we're just talking about a lion man's haircut. This is the future we chose. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're preparing to fire screamers, which are shells with small payloads that scream. (laughs) Sorry. That that make the sound of your race screaming as they land to terrorize the opponent. Horrible. Yeah. But as the shells are fired, an ambulance wanders into their path and the lion man yells t- telepathically to that lady, Jay, not Lady Jay from G.I. Joe, but the lady that we've seen previous <laughs> at Medivac 318 episodes. <laughs> and she tells the ambulance to take evasive action if barely avoids getting hit. The generate are preparing to fight and the screamers hit, which cow them into submission briefly. The lion man arrives. He speaks to the generate general um, and the generate uh, identifies this lion dude as an Arcturan, just FYI. Mm-hmm. 
Lion uh, tries to convince the Generate to surrender and avoid being wiped out by the superior um, Confederation-backed Foskers, like like better armed is what I'm trying to say, not not like you mm-hmm. know better generally. Um, but the Generates won't hear about it. They consider the humans to be liars and vivisectionists. The Lion tries to convince them otherwise as a Generate in the crowd draws its <laughs> rifle and aims it at the Lion's head. Uh, well, because it seems like they're making some progress and then you're like, oh. Yeah. No, it it looks like he might be convincing the general of something, but then, um, well, I guess then Verity arrives at, uh, Verity and her ambulance arrive at a, th- at, at 318 as other drivers are complaining about almost getting hit by screamers. Uh, this pilot's headed to bed because he's exhausted and so Verity's on her own. Though the fighting's so intense, they can't really send ambulances down right now. On the planet, the lion, named Perry will learn, is shot in the soldier, in the shoulder and this causes fighting to break out heavily again. <laughs> Really uh, not great to, to like, shoot the guy who's there to kind of break up the bullshit. Well, know? I mean, yeah, although I guess, like, the generate really don't, like, see peace as, like, like I could see a generate, like, the way they've talked about it, they really don't trust humans at all and people no. associated with humans, you know? And so he could see this general as being weak or this Arcturan as having psychic abilities that are freaking tricking the general into getting peace and stuff like that, you know? Very fair. Like, like there's levels of a, of a heart, like, you, you could have to see levels of people being super hardline within generate forces that would cause them to try, you know, try to break down peace talks because they don't want peace with this, with this foe. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, peace, yeah, peace talks have failed and Perry might be dead among the survivors. Although Jay knows she knows he's not and asks Verity to head down to the planet to rescue him. She doesn't Jay know who along. she is either. She's like, there's this huge thing. It's like, I don't know who you are. Mind probe. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jay, uh, the, the administrator says, hey, man, like we don't do private calls here. So at least pick up some other folks while you're down there, you jerks. Um, and when Verity needs a co-pilot, Gib Wade, the man she oh. saved from the generate sting in it's the Gib. earlier story. Yeah, he's alive. He volunteers to go down. The only they man s- to survive the sting. Yeah. They suit up and head for the ambulance and are soon heading down to the planet's surface. It seems like almost everybody involved has been killed in the fighting. The ambulance lands among the carnage, and Jay rushes out to find Perry. He's an alien, so he's got orange blood, and they quickly uh, get him onto a hover gurney and aboard the ambulance. Gib asks Jay about her abilities, but mostly gets the cold shoulder, and they load up the ambulance with survivors, including a few generates, basically for PR purposes, it seems. <laughs> they, they take off fast using the uh, the Grady method, and it seems that Verity and Gib have solidified their relationship. They land back at the station, and despite their bickering, all seems well. So, like, here's my question. Yeah. Is this just M.A.S.H.? Like, it's a little bit more visceral than M.A.S.H., sure. But it seems like M.A.S.H. Yeah, other, yeah, definitely, yeah. I, I, I think the violence is a little bit visceral, but honestly, like, especially those early seasons of M.A.S.H. And, yeah. like, the, the movie and book for M.A.S.H. Yes. Like, get, those are pretty serious also. And pretty, like, war, have a lot of war commentary in them, you know? Like, I think, I, I, I know for me, I mostly, like, you know, M.A.S.H. was on when I was a, what was on and on in reruns when I was a kid. And Same. so I mostly, I mostly remember like, like <clears throat> Klinger wearing a dress and that being funny and stuff like that. 
Oh, as opposed, man. as opposed to like Hawkeye having a big discussion about like like like, like how war is hell and is hell, which is more the main thrust of Mash. You know, I I rewatch it um, later because it, it's it, it's mm. my dad's favorite movie actually. So I've watched it, you know, a, I definitely a, a bunch of times to get to get a sense for, of it. For me, when I when I watch the show. The thing that stuck with me as a kid is I'm like, why Why do people like this show? My dad's like, oh, it's kind of like a comedy, sort of. And I'm like, yeah, but like suicide is painless isn't like a like a throwaway line for a fucking like, yeah. opener, well, you know? Especially in that movie, in the movie where that song's played mm-hmm. over someone committing suicide, you know? Um, but um, oh, I didn't know about that until way later. No. Well, well you know, the movie doesn't get, I don't know. It it's it's one of those things where it's a TV show based on a movie, but I feel like the movie doesn't get nearly as much play because the show is so was so ubiquitous in the eighties. Yeah, you know? of course. Like I remember being a kid, and it seemed like at the end of cartoons, it was always either the theme for Mash or the theme from Taxi. <laughs> like sort of at the end, it's how you know, knew the cartoons were over. You know? Um, yeah, exactly. Or or just like the slow pan out as everyone's laughing after a lesson. Right, but so, but so, yeah. I mean, this has a very uh, mash in space kind of feel to it. I yeah. think, although, it, like, I think, I think it is much more like there's just sort of occasional lighthearted elements as opposed to being sort of a comedy tragedy kind of mix. I guess. Yeah. So I think it's it's definitively so much more tragedy. There are these like lighthearted. It's not like people aren't making jokes. Like things are just like funny people, in like, back. Yeah. It's more just kind of people tr- like like having a chuckle like in the midst of things. So you know, yeah. people are kind of are are, are kind of smiling smiling a little bit over Verity and uh, Gabe and a uh, and a uh, give uh, a, a a bickering. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, all right, but, but, but let's get back to work. You know? Yeah. No, it, it, it's it's definitely thing. something that I respect a lot about Medivac is it it is not the funny part of the comic. You know? No, I think it's I I, I think it's it, it it's more serious. It's it, but I think I might put it in that category just because it is this Hillary Robinson comic, and she does yeah, tend to yeah. do more comedic stories and things like that. The, you know? the only downside of any of it is that I I think that there's so much uh, words that go on that don't need to. You know, there are a lot of words, but I mean, I think a lot of it is really her. Like, she, I feel like she's got all these characters that she wants to kind of establish. Yeah, monologuing. Yeah. And she's really like throwing words at the page just to try to get, like, to establish the baseline almost. I, you I know? think that that's really fair. There's just a lot of internal monologue where yeah. I, I, I think at this point so many people have been established that I like, I. I get their struggles just through their communication and not necessarily sure. through their monologues. No, definitely. I mean, I you know, this is a this, this is a difficult balance to uh mm-hmm. to 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 establish. No, I agree. I think. This is not me shitting on Medivac either. This is me saying Medivac is good. Yeah. <laughs> I read the things. It means which... it means we can look into the finer points of it because we like it, you know. Exactly. But yeah, but that's it for now for Medivac. It will return in Prague 683 and summer of 1990. Jeez. That's that's fucking that's forty three progs away. Yeah, listen, you know we got a lot God of stuff, damn. but you know, like you know, Hillary Robinson's got a lot of stuff to do, so she's sort of really jumping around from thing to thing here. You know, got it. Um, but hey, on the topic of mercy killing, Fox. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's go to thrill three, Judge Dread. Oofa, tufa. 
Scripture about Alan Grant and John Wagner, Art Robots, Mike Collins and Peter Venters, Carlos Escara and Mick Austin, Lego Robot, Nick Abadzes, and Tom Frame. You know, it's the one that I liked was in 637. That was the one. It's crazy. Uh, it's so real first good. first story, it's called And the Wind Cried, featuring some rare non-Tom Frame lettering. Uh, Nick Abadz is lettering it with art by Mike Collins and Peter Venters. I think I think ben, Venters inking here, or maybe coloring too, I don't know. Um, dre- and, and written by Alan Grant. Uh, Dredd and Anderson are riding their lawmasters through the southern section of Mega City One, which is, of course, destroyed during the Apocalypse War. Anderson wonders how many ghosts live here, and we see one. Uh, try to call out to her, but not quite work. Although Dred, although Anderson does seem to hear it, and the judges investigate the ruins of a hospital. I will respect Judge Shred for pulling over his fucking, you know, his motorcycle just to be like, yeah, all right, we're going to check it out, even though I'll give you some guff. I mean, he's probably, I mean, honestly, it was it's probably like a, uh, a street judge and a side judge doing it for this purpose, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because there's got to be mean, some kind of weird- setup, right? Weird brain stuff going on. Yeah, as they sort of patrol the wreckage and things like that. Well, I mean, you know, you I could see there just being like after – um, what was that? Like the nuclear man or whatever, that dude oh, that yeah. was a living atomic bomb that yeah, wandered yeah, yeah. out of the of the ruins of, um, of Mega City 1 from the Apocalypse War and like blew up a sector house or something. Mm-hmm. Like it seems worth it just to occasionally send some patrols down here to make sure there well, aren't any weird, weird monsters sort of yeah, brewing in the or, background. Or like you know? extra, extra paranormal bullshit that they would have to deal with later. I mean, that's right. the kind of throwaway line they give it. They're like, hey, you know, it's why the department sends out yeah. these kind of patrols just in case. And I'm like, oh, you know, that actually, that makes sense. Yeah. Or, or robots building a wrestle kingdom for that matter, you know? <laughs> Never forget the Wrestle Kingdom. Oh um, my god! So we flash back and we see this ghost lady still alive, visiting a man named Cosmo who's in a coma and on life support. The robot doctor suggests pulling the plug, but she says no as guy. the sirens goes off. It's the apocalypse war. She dies by Cosmo's side as the bombs as the bombs go off. Um, she becomes a ghost, but as the judges find, Cosmo didn't die at all. He's still here, kept alive by the life support machines on nuclear batteries. <sighs> and it's and it's insane. He like you don't really see it, but he's got like a huge beard and long hair and like this kind of far away. Otherwise, shot. like a. Yeah, but otherwise, like like a like a like, like a crisp up uh, irradiated corpse. Yeah, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but he he's hopelessly irradiated. Even if they brought him like back to life, he couldn't survive. Like like if, if they got him off the machines, he'd be hopelessly irradiated. You know, whatever else. Um, so Anderson they, uh, decides to mercy kill him. Her thirty seventh, six thirty seven. Good numbers oh here. <laughs> the lovers are reunited as creepy ghosts and go do ghost stuff. Huzzah! <laughs> Hooray! Let's go get all of our ectoplasm over everything. You know what I mean? Gross, gross, Fox. Come on. <laughs> Listen, bud. I'm just speaking up for those uh, ghosts up in our audience. Hey, shout out to the ghost listeners. Absolutely. What's up, guys? I know you're not making up, uh, you know, all of the listens that we have on various networks, but we know you're out there. Listen, you're catching those don't, waves. Ghosts don't contribute listens, so it's very important that they write reviews. That's all I can say. Thank <laughs> you very much, by the way, for anybody using Ouija boards to say Space Spinner 2000 is pretty great. Ooh, yeah, make every <laughs> make all the kids doing Ouija boards in quarantine read that, ghosts. Oh, man. See, this is how you can get the word out. 
Hopefully, by the time this episode comes out in June, the, our uh, COVID quarantines will be distant memories, Fox. Oh man, I like you have to look into a mirror in your uh, in your bathroom with the lights off and say "Space Pinder two thousand three times," and then you and I appear. <laughs> oh my God! Don't do it. <laughs> I'm busy at night. All right, I can't be I, showing up. <laughs> I, look, I, I'm just saying that if anybody is going to be the Candyman, it's going to be us. The Candyman for comic books, I should say. Finally. At last. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Next Next Dread Story is a classic lineup here. Wagner, Escara, Frame. Oh, yeah. And it's actually Carlos Escara's first Dread since Prog 439, almost 200 it's, progs ago. It's looking fantastic. Definitely. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of stuff, of course. You know, your Strontium Dogs, a lot of stuff in Crisis, that that third Mm. world war story. He's got two stories this episode, and honestly, both of these feel like warm-ups for big, crazy stories to come. It's more like, you know, he's like, all right, let me just do one, do one script with John, one script with Alan, just to kind of get back into dread, and then we're going to get nuts later in the year. That sounds fantastic. It's going to be, it's going to have its moments, Fox. Oh, okay. That doesn't sound good. Though several will be cracking reads, Fox. Um. Wow. I just, I... Folks at home are loving it. Um, Anyway, um, this one has a bunch of dumb uh, mega citizens watching a big dumb game show with shockingly insulting questions here, Fox. (laughs) Seems that way. Like, Like, what kind of animal is... you know, uh, Dave the Orangutan. Who is the Donald Trump block named after? You have both oh, questions, okay. you know. Uh, An American president now. Hmm. Ooh. Um, honestly, yeah, honestly, I feel like at this point um, in our history, Donald Trump might be too high profile a celebrity to be to have a have a have a legacy <laughs> block named after him. <laughs> or it's just too low class a person. Listen, I don't want to get into it. Anyway, here we uh, go. That's fine. Uh, so, um, in his meanwhile, in his room, um, a a kid is lighting black candles on a pentagram and just sort of doing his own thing. Been there, buddy. Pretty old man. No, I yeah. mean you gotta, you gotta know the right words. The worst part is when you fuck him up and you don't get the demon. But the best part is definitely when you get the demon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Summon Fox and Conrad by accident, I guess. <laughs> um, Candy yeah, man. So pen- Apparently, it's a parent and some it's some parents and a social worker. Anyhow, Jack, this kid, easily summons a full on demon to his room. No what problem. What social worker is just chilling on the couch watching dumb TV with you instead of maybe I don't know social working? I guess the same one that lets a kid on the verge of summoning a murderous demon <laughs> out of uh, out of the juve cubes. You know, <laughs> that's fair. He tries to show his, his folks the demon, but they just laugh at him. So he pulls an axe off the wall <sighs> and hacks them all to death. Dread responds to a disturbance at the Matt Wagner block, named for the U.S. comics writer behind like Mage and Grendel and stuff. Cool uh, comics art- writer. And finds them dead and Jack cradling the axe, see- seemingly without a demon. Um, anyway, Jack just got out of the, cu- the kook cube yesterday. So mm. I guess he's just going right back in. Really, just, uh, I mean, he was cuddling that axe a little bit, too. You know, if he had just been, you know, not cuddling it, I feel like that would have gotten him a little bit of a lighter sentence. I feel like at that point, he'd just be going to the ISO cubes instead of the kook cubes. And I don't know which uh, one's better, to be to be, to be be frank. They're both cubes, my man. I feel like they're just going to be nearly the same. 
I guess it's the difference between Harry 20 on the high rock and one flew of the cuckoo's nest or something oh, like that. Oh my God. I would choose Harry 20 on the high rock every me time. Me too. Always. <laughs> oh my Fair God. Counterpoint to me, buddy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the collection for that right now. It should oh be out. my God. I it, cannot it, it wait for you to get by, super by psyched here. on an but old man. man ripping off his face and being a robot. <laughs> Greatest of twists, Fox. Oh my um, God, I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. <laughs> no, although although you know, sold it on the episode for the record. You were like, oh, that's something. You know, <laughs> I mean, so you pissed. know, I, look, <sighs> we got to move on. <laughs> Nick Austin takes over on art as a man named Dillop has just learned he's got AGV, the Spider Virus, Curse uh, of the Spider Man. Uh, but how does he deal with it, man? I gotta fuck with this insurance. Yeah, well, we learned about the virus as previously explained in the Spider-Woman story. Uh, uh, Philip wanders the streets of Mega City 1 in a panic because the doctor said that once he becomes a, a spider, he can't claim insurance money. So to provide for his family, that means he's got to freaking kill – like do something. And he realizes <laughs> that accidents are co- – uh, get he gets double indemnity for. So he walks in front of a truck and gets thumped and basically okay. God. Dread goes to check on him, but instead Dillip just gets up and runs off the side of the walkway. And and Dread, like, it would have been just fine because he's like, ah, oh, he's got to be, like, concussed. So he probably still would have gotten it, except... Well, the guy lands... First, he lands in some kind of soft stuff truck. That's not explained. Mm-hmm. But then he gets off that truck and... uh. Uh, goes to an overpass where some juves are hanging out, and he realizes he gets triple indemnity if he's murdered. So <laughs> and they get weirded out by how yeah, weird he is. He comes up to the juves, and he's like, "Kill me!" And they're like, "Whoa, bro, I don't like this." <laughs> I, I love how even even Jew criminals are like, "No, no, man." Yeah, like we're just juves. We aren't killers, man. Um, and but so he punches one, grabs his gun, shoots one of the juves to get them to shoot back. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Dredge on the scene, he takes Dillip away. Later, the doctor is calling Dillip's wife because it seems he got the diagnosis wrong. He's got AVG, not A, not, he's got AVG, not AGV. He's got that uh, one uh, uh, a- antivirus software and a mild fever <laughs> instead of uh, the spider disease. Fantastic. Meanwhile, another patient shows up. It seems his mild fever is looking mighty spidery. Woofa, <laughs> tufa. He's got eyes all over the place. Got freaking mandibles, man. It's crazy. That's not good. So, Alan Grant and Carlos Escara are back on the old pencils and inks. So great. Ants. Yeah. The narration tells us how cool ants are. Them ants. Man, big big ants. (laughs) See, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Big ants are the best ants. Yeah. Um, in a tunnel system, a bunch of giant ants with dealies on their heads attack a random dude <laughs> as a dealies. creepy guy with one of them floppy mohawks at a remote control press the button to make him do so. <laughs> That's what I it imagine ants sound like when they got dealies. I kind of imagine like like making the snippy sound, what with their mandibles. Yeah, but then they got the dealies on their heads and those are like, boom, 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 boom. They're this radar. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I'll, I'll I'll merge those two together right now, Fox, and we'll sort of get it together. Be real crazy Conrad doing some audio editing. Anyway. But but it seems the guy that got killed was on his way to a drug deal. Um, and, and we see when he was killed, his briefcase did explode with powder and stuff. Full um, of and, sugar. And being, 
Yeah, and it was being monitored by the judges, including Dredd. He bails out of the H-Wagon and goes to investigate as the weird guy, like, allows his giant axe to Ants to eat this dude Drax whole. Oh, it's the Ant-Man Guardians of the Galaxy crossover we never wanted to see. Uh, <laughs> suddenly, he notices Dread coming and tries to get the ants to run, but it seems that the drugs have gotten their systems and they're not following orders. Turns out Punisher showed up to fuck everything up. As always, Dread arrives and incendiaries these doped up ants, one's, and uh, one's named Adam seems to escape, um, and arrests the man, Henry Pym, LOL, who's you know, uh, the original Ant-Man mm. and, and Michael Douglas's character in the Ant-Man movies. Yeah. Yeah, a little close. As he and kills Adam the Ant. third ant before it can attack. Yeah, he kills Adam Ant. Uh, up and Pym Adam, ba- et cetera. Exactly. Uh, Pim is bound for the interrogation cubes, and maybe we can clear up some of these recent disappearances. Gasp. Pretty good. I like ants. I like ant-based humor, like giant ants. I like that they went nuts over sugar. That was really funny. Totally. Uh, My favorite part was when the ants ate a people. Mm. Uh, But still, my favorite judge judge, uh, goes to uh, And the Wind Cried. That was real good. Like yeah, that. nice little uh, uh, sad story mixed up with yeah. these ridiculous stories. <laughs> I mean, good, second, good variants for sure. Second place goes to the ants. Always. I love giant ants, Conrad. Hey, I love it, giant ants. As it is in comics, so it is in reality, buddy. Ants That's getting that so second true. place left and right. Um, <laughs> next time on Dread, Hot Pants. I'm t- <laughs> Never nudes. Basically, listen, oh. listen you, you think we had some silly stories so far. We got a real silly Billy coming up next episode, Fox. Oh, my God. That's so great. Just, I mean, and- anytime you say your name is Hot Pants, I'm like, thank God it's not the final solution, which is just a fallback name for any 2000 AD fucking It's showing comic. up a lot, Fox. It's showing up <laughs> a large amount. I mean, it's it's showing up to the point where it's like, I get it. Like, no, yeah. guys, I get it. Guys, I, I get it. it. That's good. <laughs> And speaking of getting it, Fox, let's go to non-thrills, covers, and nerve centers. Frog 637, thrill power, noun. Oh, it's real. Steve I Co- love this. Yeah. Get just a dictionary definition of thrill power on the cover. Comes from the uh, from the Thargian uh, Shreelpur. It's <laughs> real good. Um, in the nerve center, Tharg the Sunseeker is prepared to go on summer vacation, as you do. There's pictures of the elephant judge, Joseph Merrick, uh, uh, complete with, a, with, with a trunked lawgiver and shoulder elephant. Real fuck. He's IMO. joined by Judge Michelin Man. Yeah, yeah, no good. Um, <laughs> letters ask if Billy Idol will pay dread in the movie, what the difference between a mm. second cousin and a cousin once removed is, and compliments Oof. for dread from America, as well as a request for a Rigelian hotshot for a writer's own father. <laughs> okay. Brock 638, a, a little horror brings demonic thrill power Whoa. to this cover by Carlos Escara. It's his first one. Um, since Prague 565. So, damn. Yeah, just and getting, blood on the front page. Loving it. Yeah. Getting this guy back in action. In the nerve center, the uh, Tharg profile wears a sun wears sunglass on the top because Tharg's nice. like on vacation. Um, and uh, Bert and uh, and and uh, uh, Tama Tomlinson are in control. That's uh, editors uh, Richard Burton and Barry Tomlinson for the record. Mm-hmm. It's a very angry Judge Lollipop guarding uh, the school crossing. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. I think we lo- talked last time about how uh, they call crossing guards lollipop men in uh, good England. Good shit. Lollipop crossing guards suck. I don't give a fuck. 
Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> And there's also uh, Cruel Rama 89 singing Cruel Summer, like a banana rama. You know, it's a cruel, I, no, I like cruel it. summer. Uh, <laughs> I, so, I, did, I, this is an aside. Do you ever, did you ever watch Banana Rama? Can't say that I have. It, like the, like they're, it's kind of like the uh, one-eyed, one-horned, fine purple people eater, kind of like costumed-esque people. But this one was way more... <laughs> It's like if the Teletubbies were psychedelic and for children not of that age, like a little older. Okay, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like Teletubbies is already pretty psychedelic in my understanding. Oh, this one was, this one was a little, yeah, so of its time. That's really, really psychedelic. All right, awesome. <laughs> Letter, so, letters here ask about Dredd's lack of shoes on that UPC cover that, that we saw. Oh. And if that means Dredd is dead, man, but the nah. editor assures us there's nothing to worry about. Puck 339, bring back the cat. Uh, and only the cat underscored. Absolutely. Henry Moon's busting out of this Ron Smith cover. Bert's running the nerve center this time as the editor droids get to work answering letters. There's pictures of a Judge Eve Collins. I didn't get this one. Um, nope. And my Google skills were weak, so I don't know. Uh, but there's also Judge Bread, Bake My Day. Did um, Has anyone done a Judge Bread before? I feel like this I, is such a low-hanging fruit. We've, I believe we've seen one, yes. Um, but the Go On Punk Bake My Day, pretty, pretty- That's pretty uh, solid. Pretty all right I feel with like that May May. Pretty ready for a version of this nowadays, which would have some sort of gluten-based pun, Fox. Oh. But, um, <laughs> like, cry makes me celiac or something like that. I don't oh, know. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> Um, letters complain about eating plastic cups, Tharg's general wellness, because he's, he's going green, buddy, uh, when Anderson will be free to go on a date, and there's also mm -hmm. some, some Spanish compliments for Banana City. And the prog hey, ends with a big yellow pinup of Dread and PJ maybe by Liam Sharp. What's next for PJ Fox? Prison. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it seems that way. <laughs> at, at least for a while, you know. So, prog 640, Fist of Fury. Brothers in arms clash in this Simon Harris and Strontium dog cover. Yeah. Electronux. Inside Tom Tomlinson is back in the nerve center. We're digging through this mail pile, finding an ancient room full of space spinners and biotronic stickers. Send those out. Um, letters ask if 2000 AD is really an effective heat barrier, as Tharg claimed earlier. F21 is too old for reading comics, and how Zenith keeps his mask on. Uh, mm. They don't know, but theorize either sticky mask enzymes, top makeup artists, or just a lot of elastic and double-sided tape. There's a picture of Judge Morrissey and Judge Robert of the Cure. It's Judge Schmitz! I've waited hours for this. I make myself so sick. I wish I'd stay and judge today. Do, do, do. Boop, boop, boop. Monday, I'm in progs. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> Mid-prog, there's a massive two-page flicks column with John Brosnan's review of the Tim Burton Batman movie, Fox. Uh, TLDR, he thought it was real good, but had some snide shit to say because, I mean, you know. It wouldn't be Brosnan if there wasn't a little bit of sourness <laughs> in here. Yeah, um... Extremely glowing, despite his initial trepidation about Michael Keaton as the bat. I he mean, says who, the man who was the bat, you would never have thought he would have been the man who was the bat. I mean, I'll say that, like, the one thing that I, th the big thing that I, th that I think everybody argued about before the bat, 
before Tim Burton's Batman and still Mm. kind of talked about, but not as much as that. Like the suit does a lot of the lifting in these movie versions, you know? Oh, yeah. So you don't really need – so you you need to kind of cast a good Bruce Wayne basically. And I think Keaton does a pretty good job of that. The the one thing that I respect about Keaton is that he didn't do the bail. He didn't do the Batman. (laughs) Yeah. He does a little – he does oh, a little uh, bit. He just does a, like not a gruff. He just does like a slightly more baritone Keaton. Yeah, he 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 he, he kind of growls a little bit, but yeah, Bale's really the uh, the high point I, of that. I, we all know that Jack Nicholson stole the show. That's all I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's I beautiful. Mean, it's definitely the big money in there. You know, you spend an extra for that Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he also says might have had more more style than substance of performances. But you know, it's one of these things. This thing's not just a movie; it's an event. That and is that's like kind of when you're seeing a Tim Burton anything, at least during this time. That's kind of the like, yeah, it's an event. Edward Scissorhands yeah, was I an mean, experience in a lot of ways. I mean, I really remember this being an era where there'd be one big blockbuster that would be like the blockbuster of that summer, basically. I mean, do you remember when you just like there was just a movie to see? Well, instead of like 10. (laughs) Listen, ups and downs, Fox, because like on the one hand, I do remember that being very, 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 very magical when I was like uh, eight or whatever. But as a as a thirty nine year old trying lo- looking desperately for content in these quarantine days, oh, I'm I mean, super yeah. happy with the with, with the uh, desperate pace of movie releases. I mean, you know? uh, prior prior to quarantine, I will say this: they closed the the big and possibly only English uh, movie theater in Berlin. They were just like, nah, it's done now. Yeah, so that's fair. I can't actually go and see movies anymore. <laughs> Although I guess I'll also say, like, when I was a kid, I loved watching the same thing over and over again. But as a grown-up, I almost oh, never yeah. watched the same. I, I almost never watched the wa- – like, rewatch movies or anything like that. Like, you well, know, I don't know. I and, and for a while, I was really into going to movies. So, I, I, I love variety. So, the I, idea of well, there so just be one thing is sort of I, I think that's me. a fair point because I think that the movies that we rewatch have some sort of rose-tinted ga- glasses to them. One of the things that I did in- – fairly recently because of quarantine was rewatch this Batman, uh, which I did not expect them to bring it up in this because, you know, mm. time has no relevance for a man with the internet. Uh, and we are unstuck in time. Yeah. These 89 in a, things in, in, tw- in 2020. In a big way. So as he was reading through this and saying, like, <laughs> everything that Bruston is going to say, I was like, yeah. oh, you know, like, I kind of get that. Like, especially prior, because the praises that he sings for for what he saw is just so anteed up in like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, Christian Bale Batmans and where I'm like, you know, actually, he might have probably liked the more Christian Bale stuff. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, I can uh, I can imagine like I haven't watched I I think it's been. Yeah, it it must be decade, like like 20 years since I've seen the the, the. that that first Batman movie, mm-hmm. but you know it has so much influence on the rest of co- of, of comic book move of this. You know, oh yeah, like the first blow in this in this like like modernizing this genre basically. Well, that, it was um, so I'm contra- sure it ends up oh, being sorry. In, it, like influential for these movies going forward, and and, and having a lot of yeah like a primordial pieces of things that we'd see later. Well, and it's so contrapoint to Superman. Right? Like, you saw Superman, you're like, oh, I mean, it's Superman. Da, 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 the, da, da, all this. Yeah, the, but the Richard Donner one, yeah. Exactly. But then you see, you know, uh, Michael Keaton coming on as the Batman. You're like, oh, shit. Like, 
comic books could be serious, and this was way before Blade with with, well, yeah, <laughs> with but I blood think, raves. But I think, you know, is that first Superman sets up this Batman as this Batman sets up Ex- Blade, as exactly. Blade kind of sets up our modern environment. You exactly. Know? Well, Blade was the first successful Marvel comic book movie. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. Crazy times. Hope, you know, eventually we'll get there as well, Fox. Although I think the movie reviews might end up being in the magazine instead of um, instead oh, of the, that's the unfortunate. Prog, that's unfortunate. To those, those I, I like, I, I've come to like Bruston's really sour bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, like we're going to get an Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade movie um, review next episode, I think, which I am so freaking angry about. (laughs) Does he just shit on the best movie in the franchise? Does does not care for it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Listen, like... It's the best one, like, since the first one, obviously. I've got a whole, like, thing, not just about how, like, I disagree with that, but also how important that movie is to me personally. That, right. like, I, I, we got, listen, we, we got to save it for next episode, Fox. We're blowing the I, load here. I know. But I, I let me do one aside. It has nothing to do with the first or third movie. So, uh, may I do an aside? Is that all right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, I, when I was growing up as a kid in uh, a rural area of California, one of my dad's best friends was this guy who sold sound and TV systems, right? Like laser discs and like all this shit that you could get right. for a home entertainment system. So, of course, like when my dad or my mom went there to help him with his books or help him with stuff or just to hang out, it would be like, ah, oh, we got this kid. We got to like have him hang out for a second. And he'd be like, no, we'll just put him in the showroom where you can have the full surround sound experience. And of course, like, nice. I'm like, I love Indiana Jones. And he's like, hey, guess what I got on Laserdisc? I got that Indiana Jones too. Oh, no. <laughs> so as a kid, I remember him putting it on and me being like, yeah, Indiana Jones. And quite literally having the most like horrific two and a half hour experience of my life. Like I can't run back to where my parents are because they're doing business and they're like, do not fucking disturb us. Just watch your movie and chill out, kid. Mm-hmm. As in three fucking D surround around me. <laughs> like I'm listening to kids just get whipped and a dude get his heart ripped out. It was a, tough, it was buddy. an intense experience for me. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, different times back then, you know, anything goes back in the back in the eighties. Uh, it was so great. <laughs> as okay. as we were. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Listen, I'm into it. Um, yeah. So, anyway, speaking of, um, you know, t- tales of a swashbuckling adventure, Fox. Oh, okay. Let's talk about Thrill 4, Tales from the Doghouse. Okay, that's so much better. I was really hoping it was not going to be Future Shocks. It's no, like, Future Shocks right. at the end. Thank you. I just, I, I mean, this is me saying thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Script, I got you, buddy. Script robot, Hillary Robinson, art robot, Simon Jacob, letting robot, Tom Frame. Oh, um, my boy. T-Phone. Yeah, we're continuing the story of Maeve of the Many Arms from last episode, <sighs> that her shuttle hounds were stolen by the evil Nile of the Nine Sausages. It's so clear that she's like a favorite, and I'm very glad about that. Does that make I sense? Think, I think... Hillary Robinson's really charmed by Maeve, I think. She's great. She's one of the best. I don't understand why she's not in A-class, maybe even in S-class. She's got four arms. Five arms, actually. Oh, that's true. And a Cadillac. 
and two yeah. pig horses. Sweet coop. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I imagine that the Shetland hound is being a mix of a Shetland pony and a Shetland sheepdog fox, which oh, are that's tiny collies. Um, she not whistles pigs, loudly. Though. No. Of course not. They're wearing disguises to be thought of as pigs. She whistles loudly and hears a response, runs to save her friends. It's looking bad, though, as we see Niall's factory floor, as pigs just being pushed into this gigantic, gross vat. Ugh. My favorite part is the pig who's like, nah, fuck this, and just jumping off the conveyor belt into nothingness. <laughs> Good goodbye, cruel world, buddy. Hey, I'd um, rather just die on collision than die in a vat. The shuttle hounds in pig disguises, they got pig noses on, try to resist being slaughtered when Niall himself shows up and recognizes them. Apparently, he's got history with Maeve mm-hmm. and wants to see her dead and butchered. What I love is he's like, listen, man, these aren't going to be good meat, but we're still going to treat them like meat, but not for the meat that we want to eat. We're going to treat them like the meat that we want her to greet. It's a jungle out there. <laughs> Upton Sinclair reference, Fox. Listen. Classic. Uh, Maeve infiltrates the abattoir and spots her shuttle hounds about to be tossed into the rendering vat. She loads her gun and bursts through shooting and is confronted by Niall himself. The butcher has a plan, though, and drops a ton of sausages onto Maeve. Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, hey, what are these sausages? I like but that. not that really, what not- are these sausages? She was knocked out by a sausage last episode. Like, these guys have a lot of very sausage-based um, weaponry. This um, is basically the gif if you search hot dog on Giphy. <laughs> uh, she she puts her hands up and seems to surrender, but she's got a lot of hands, and some of them also grab Nile by, by, by his ankles and knock him out. It's so good. Like, the two hands come up, and everyone's too stupid to remember that she's many hands, Maeve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's um, the best. I love she, this strand. She is pretty good. Um so she's captured the the Hume and freed her shuttle hound. She returns to that muty farm with Niall bound in his own connected meats. Um, they make him pull a plow around the fields as the shuttle hounds like whip him and make him enforce his punishment. <laughs> the farmer muties, though, don't have enough money to pay Maeve. She's fine, though. And mostly did it out for the good of mutant kind. With a token amount of creds, she rides off into the sunset. Do you know what really fucks me about this whole thing, man? What's that? If Wolf Sternhammer were still alive, mm. I mean, I mean, really, I don't think he would look sideways at a five-armed woman. Certainly, Listen, one that looks like a goddamn meat Valkyrie. Wolf Sternhammer willing to date and uh, and have relations with mutants confirmed, but not till twenty eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he coming back? He's not dead. I mean, he'll live on through his mutant son, Fox. <gasps> it's a spoiler. I don't mind oh, telling you. Because oh when we God. get to it in like 2030, it'll be far from your mind. I know. I know. But Conrad, that makes me. That makes, it's, it's, okay. His adult mutant son that goes on an adventure with Johnny Alpha. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You just made like my whole year. That oh, it, I'm so it, happy. It ends with a real wistful moment, which is really nice because it's also Carlos Sascara's final work in 2000 AD. So it's got oh, a lot. It's, 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 it's very heavy, but it is really cool. It's a cool oh, moment. Oh, that's a deep fucking cut you just laid up on me, man. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, but um, I'm, I'm giving you some good stuff to uh, to salve the wound that I believe this is the last appearance of Maeve and the Progs. Um, oh. And in general, um, although she does have a model in the recent Strontium Dogs miniature game by uh, b- by Warlord. I mean, which, that's that's rad. 
Yeah, that and their Judge Dread game are sort of like <laughs> things. If I had more disposable income, I would love to buy and paint, but I still I, I haven't gotten around to it. I I'll be perfectly honest. She for all the tales of the doghouse, she's the one that I've wanted to read about. Yeah, I think this is the most interesting one. I think it's like telling that unlike a lot of these ones, it doesn't end in her death. A lot of tales from the doghouse have ended that way. This is like the second to last tale, tale from the doghouse, I believe. It'll be like one sure. more after this. I just um, – what what I love about it is that it kind of gives you this kind of, you know, uh, S through F tier of, of yeah. the different doghouse members. Whereas like if, if Johnny Alpha is an S and Wolf Sternham- Sternhammer is an S, right? Like yeah. you, get, you get a good sense of like what an A tier looks like and you're like, damn, like she's, she's actually – she may not be a vampiresse, but she's pretty fucking up there. Yeah, I mean, she, she seems to handle herself, though I think she's also sort of picked this sort of local, like, Ireland exactly. area as her, as well, her stomping grounds. That's sort of what I mean. She just seems to have exactly where she wants to work, which seems to be like that Tales of the Doghouse sort of flavor. Yeah. Like, we're just going to do cockles and muscles over here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of strong team dogs, Fox, what the hell? Hey, why not? <laughs> Yeah, thrill five, strontium dog. <laughs> oh, God, should we not just call it Nemesis the Warlock at this point? Question mark. There's some magic going on in these hills for sure, Fox. Mm. Script about Alan Grant, art about Simon Harris, and letter about Gordon Robson as kid. High above Earth, as a spaceship grabs a heavily graffitied coffin, the coffin of Nelson Bunker Creelman, last seen being killed Scum. by yeah, being killed in the strontium dog story Outlaw. Meanwhile. In Milton Keynes, troops of the new church are mobilizing against mutant bounty hunters Johnny Alpha and Midface Nulty, along with their along with their murder teen pal Farrell, who's now who, who are all now uh, traveling in a stolen church truck. Fuck them. Yeah, they get into Sorry. a driving gunfight. <laughs> no, no, listen, screw these church guys, buddy. Um, they get in a, in a in a driving gunfight with some very cool action here as they leave the mutant ghetto. At Salisbury Cathedral, Brother Sagan says the coffin has been recovered as his mother laments the death of Creelman. She says he was the greatest he- – he's the greatest hero England ever had since King Arthur. Uh, all right. Sagan, yeah, Sagan <laughs> says not to worry. Creelman will be redeemed. He proposes a toast. And at last we learn what's been up his butt this whole time. Nelson Brooker <laughs> Creelman was his dad. And Johnny Alpha is his half-brother. Whoa! So, you know what? I'll, I'll be honest. Didn't expect it. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when it got revealed, it wasn't like a whoa moment. Um, no, it's sinister. It's good. However, it it was... Honestly, not not garbage. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, there was a lot of mother son imagery, especially as they're bringing in the father and every like all of this was kind of building up to it. Whether or not they actually thought about it, because a lot of 2000 AD, sometimes I don't know how much they think about. I think this one's pretty thought out. Actually, so just because that's, that's exactly my point. Yeah. If I can cut you off, and I I apologize. No, no, go ahead. Uh, Like, a lot of different stories, I feel like it's kind of just, like, haphazard sometimes, just Mm -hmm. because, like, you got to change shit midway to to make way. Whereas Strontium Dog never changes things midway to make way. Not that I've ever seen. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's very much the difference between sort of a workaday, like sort of like like mid again talking about about tears. Like Strong mm-hmm. Team Dog is one of these top is is a top thrill, so it's sort yes. of, you know can do stuff. But I think and I think this one, um, 
the final solution and I guess the no go <laughs> job before it. Basically all of these um all these Simon Harrison ones um with you know I think they really started this run with a specific endpoint in mind and yes. they've been working towards it the whole time. And I think part of that is definitely this relationship between um Sagan and Alpha and but would, like, would you have said that was clear at the beginning when we were first introduced to them I don't I mean it wasn't clear that they were brothers but it was definitely clear that Sagan didn't like Alpha and was exactly. sort of prejudiced against it for some way and, and you have I, like I love that because you have Sorry, like please. moments in that no go jo- in, in in that no go story mm-hmm. where um where Alpha saves Sagan and he's like surprised because he's got mm-hmm. so much hatred for Alpha in his heart that Alpha doesn't even know about that he's still surprised Alpha's like yes. like is is helping him and stuff but then yes. also like Sagan's got this whole plan and part of it is just to completely outclass Alpha wherever he can to yes. show how much better he is. Yes. So you also got the end of No Go where he like pays them and then strands them on the planet and stuff. Yes. You know, this sort of – all I, this – like so much of this stuff is pointed directly at Alpha and stuff. And like like their, their enmity and it's clear – and like honestly, it's been clear they've had some kind of relationship just of because course. Sagan's so focused on Alpha, you know? But that's the thing is like I was thrown for a loop because I was like, ah, oh, there's some occultist elements. There's like, okay, yeah. we're going back to like we hate mutants, which is such a normal yeah, thing. I mean, tw- like, it's and not the- and with the change of artwork, you're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, there's a change of narrative, right? And sure. hey, there's Feral. There's a change of narrative. Suddenly, they bring back this guy. You're suddenly not surprised. Creelman is a very big part of almost everything that Strontium Dog is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he's Johnny's father and this symbol of a, of a human hatred of mutants. Hatred? Oppression? I yeah. mean, you just name it, right? Like, I, while, I, while I mean what I said when I said I wasn't surprised, I was also just like, oh, shit. Like, actually. And yeah, then, no, I think it's a – yeah. Not to stop you from keep moving. Then yeah. 638 happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the rest of the comic fucking happens. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, Strong well, yeah. Team Jog just went from S to, like, SS+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's important. Like, it's a it's an interesting thing about this Final Solution story, which is that it's not it's it's not just a mutant oppression story, and it's not just this, um like, a duel between Johnny and, and Sagan, God, you know? Fucking exactly. Like, it's got it's it's got both of these elements in it so that you can have this big twist of Sagan of Sagan being Johnny's brother and it's part of the story but it's not like the main it's not, it's the not thing. like the whole of the story you know yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it's not because, the crux of the whole thing it's it's what keeps you going through it you know what i mean it's yeah. a through and line the, it's a b plot yeah and i mean that's why the revelation doesn't come at the end it comes sort of at a midpoint here like oh, we sort of you know we're sort of getting so to the end of the first part of the final solution, but and there's still more story to be told and more to be done. And so knowing that Sagan's Johnny's brother sort of becomes a part of the story as opposed to the destination of the story, you know? Exactly. And I think that like the change of artwork, because, you know, we, you and me both have talked about this a little bit about, I, like, yeah. I know this is us talking about the end before we actually get there, but like the artwork, especially as we get into 638, 
is mm-hmm. just the transformative element. If it wasn't there before, why I loved this shit and this big change and the subterfuge of the plot, like all of this works so well together with the yeah. engine of disgusting that they're doing, right? Yeah. And I, it's honestly, just so perfect. Yeah. I love that, this story. It's great. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> even though it's called the final solution, which is quite literally the most overused name in all of 2018. <laughs> but I think moving into 638, this is a part of the story that I think Simon Harrison is really good at telling. And I'm not sure yes. if Scarra could have. Like, I don't think, you know, no. the demons, the demons he draws are not this kind of demon. You know, I, I firmly agree. Like, I think, like, it was easy for, well, certainly for me, I won't speak for you, but when the when the whole thing changed, I was super turned off. Now? Yeah. Oh, man, my attention is fully on. There is a dark no, I engine think, yeah, running. I think, I think if you, if you listen back to all, you know, like, if you're in this, if you're in the collection of this in the future for Final Solution, <laughs> I think it is that, like, the evolution of Conrad and Fox's opinion of Simon Harrison's art is going to be a very interesting uh, upward slope is what I'm trying oh, to say. Yeah. You know? No, they get it. I feel yeah. like Grant and Harrison are in such a good lockstep. For what's being told, because the difference between everything we've watched and then 638 yeah. is that suddenly all of the art starts to make sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're like, oh, this is grotesque and horrible. <laughs> I think we got a sense of it with a zombie wolf sort of in, oh, in, oh, in, in the earlier mm. section. That made me angry, but I got it. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying, as in terms of taking taking advantage of this style that Simon Harrison has, well, no, I think has, that was the point. That you wouldn't it want make a you scary angry. Drawing. Yeah, I I think they knew that people were going to be upset in some way, mm, right? Definitely. And and I felt that, <laughs> and then I got here as a reader, and I was like, oh, but I fucking get it. <laughs> it got me exci- people are going to be sorry. upset I'm just yeah. super so, excited it's so good definitely. please continue oh, I'll stop yeah. interrupting you fine well I mean we been talking about let, let's get to 638 here yep. uh, the planet Lyra around the demon star Algol on the, on, in the uh, Beta Persei <laughs> system there's a big evil cathedral slash castle standing on a cliffside a mystic gate opens and it's Sagan's pet mystic Charn L <sighs> He and his space wizard chums sing a mystic uh, chant in front of a Stonehenge-looking gate. Their giant tongues come flying out and then Ugh. form into a crazy dragon monster being ridden by a sweet skeleton. It's so hard to describe with words, but it, if you don't have these comics, please find the place to get them. It is Horrific and beautiful. Well, I'll say even more so, it's not like like Harrison doesn't really give you – you don't get like a big splash page of the demon no. that much. No, like but you, do, you get a lot you to do work kind with. Of see, yeah, you do kind of just see pieces of it like in um, – in different panels and stuff like that. It's like you can't you can't take in the whole of it. So you just you can only see parts. Did you ever have those like uh, horror or scary tales storybooks in your scary like, stories pu- to tell in the dark? Yes. So yeah, like no, thank you. Those no, I know because the <laughs> the paintings and the the line drawings and the the stencil shit that they did in that was horrifying that's what this reminds me of and it does such a perfect job of that it is horrific it is literally horrific 
listen, there's a there's a generation of kids that get a, 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 of American kids that get shivers down their spine when you talk about those books. Scary stories to tell in the dark. If you do the, not know what we're talking about, don't look at the fucking like whatever uh, 2019 garbage. No, go find those books. The yeah. actual art in those books is some of the most horrifying. And then yeah, you the read st- the stories. I mean, the stories themselves, I think, have, like aren't don't live up to the art all that much. Sure, they do. Like these, the art has this, like has this, like inked, like these uh, creepy ink drawings that are really terrifying. I, I will send if you're a Conrad kid. a very no. particular image no. that he will maybe put into this comic or, nah. or upload. No, I know you won't like it because it's the Screw one that you, made buddy. me pee. My right. pants, not Let's literally. Let's keep going. <laughs> so, yeah, crazy monster skeleton rider. It fo- yeah, it, we see this giant monster wa- walk through the Stonehenge gate um, and disappear. Uh, and we see that its long tail just has a, has a human head attached at the end of it. <sighs> Meanwhile, in the new British countryside, some church goons blow up the Strauss ride, but then the boys are th- uh, get, get the drop <laughs> on them. Boys are dropping in. Boys are dropping in. <laughs> they steal the uh, the new churchers' uh, uh, car and their clothes, and we see they're they're all wearing uh, Union sh- Union Jack boxers. <laughs> Sh- shout out to John Burtis. Um, and then right. the Strons head out. They're headed to Stonehenge to see what's up and pull the oldest trick in the book. Of course, putting on bad guys' uh, uniforms to infiltrate. Yes, you do. <laughs> And meanwhile, in another dimension, the mutants of Milton Keynes have been wandering around for hours in this alternate dimension. When they hear a cry, it's the big demon dragon. Whoa. They run, but the beast is upon them. And we just see the skeleton thing laughing oh, at them. so good. So Sagan kneels before the, de- the desiccated corpse of Creelman in the Abbey of the Cathedral. It's the part that made me the most grossed out, TBH. It's pretty crazy. He says he his father will be avenged. Some guards come in and inform Sagan that Johnny and Co are on the loose, and he just assumes they're headed for Stonehenge and their deaths. <gasps> the boys are are in fact nearing Stonehenge and getting uh and, and actually getting along pretty well about it. Like they talk about like Midden Faces youth and things like that. Um Charnel prepares a sacrifice as the dogs in bad guy uniforms infiltrate the site, though it seems the guards are suspicious of them. Charno makes the sacrifice and the gate opens as mutants are forced through. Pharaoh wants to fight, but the older men hold him back. They're trying to think of a plan when Sagan and his guards appear. You'll plan nothing. <laughs> We've been rumbled. Johnny throws an electro flare and it's every mutant for himself. We're in Pharaoh's head as he runs around slashing guards with his claws, but eventually takes a rifle butt to the head. Johnny's got the electro knucks out, but the numbers game was against him, and soon he's swamped by new church guards. Soon, Johnny and Farrell are brought before Sagan being restrained. Sagan himself puts on the electro knucks and beats Johnny with them while revealing the truth that they're brothers. We see a flashback of Creelman and Lady Grantham making out in front of a portrait of Hitler with swastika and oh learn God. about Sagan's secret birth. Um, it seems it was, it was around the same time that Johnny was a kid, a child of illicit uh, love, and and so forth and so on. <sighs> so I mean, they born, were in yeah. love, and now he's doing a bad news. A love fa- founded on hate of mutants, buddy. 
I feel like the only thing that can come of that is definitely someone who looks like a normal person and definitely not like a Nosferatu. I mean, some of that's Simon Harrison, but you're also right. Um, (laughs) Hate turns you into a Nosferatu. That's all I'm saying. Reasonable. Sagan was born and raised to be the scourge of the mutants, and that day is here with the final solution. Oh my god. Hey, look, it's that thing that everyone says in the scumbags. I'm sorry. Title unlocked. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. Next time, what happened with the Lipidin? Oh, all right now. Or what so, happened to Mid and Face McNulty? I mean, I mean, we spooged a bit. So I, mm. I will, I will say this, Conrad. Mm-hmm. Will you look at the Discord real quick? That's the nightmare. Fair. Yeah. No. Listen, I looked at it. I scrolled back up to not look at it anymore. Good times. <laughs> I'm sorry. Going, going back to my, uh, to my, to, my, to my happy place with Shacko, Shacko versus Hookjaw. That's all I, I want. I mean, fucks. every happy place should have Shacko versus Hookjaw. That, that is effectively how I see this artwork. Like yeah. that is the, that's the terrifying piece of this. I, I kind of like I, I was shitting on this so hard because of the feral, but now it just got so much. Like it hit me. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. It's 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 it, it, it's all coming together for you. It all much. comes back to 2000 AD. Fair enough. Yeah, I think you know we're sort of we're kind of getting to the end of the first part of Final Solution. It'll be done before 650, but that also Are you sets saying up that for there's more stuff. another Final Solution that we have to get through. <laughs> final Final Solution. That's right. Double Final. Yeah, it's where it's it's where Hitler's changed artists again. Sort of <laughs> had some more crazy stuff. Only, only you can be this this interwoven into the uh, into the the fabric of fucking 2018. Hey, speaking of stories coming back up from the past, Fox. Oh God, I mean everything else died, so why not just the Psychic Panther? We're bringing it back. Thrill Six Survivor. My favorite part is where the O is like a cat's eye because it's uh, the psychic panther guy's eye. <laughs> Script about Hillary Robinson, art about Ron Smith, letter about Tom Frame. Hashtag Fox. am I dead? I'm sure we all remember Frog 5, 541, almost 100 frogs ago. Oh, I mean, the- we definitively do. I definitely remember everybody getting decapitated. Yeah, when the mean team beat the forces of evil and saved the Earth, but were then blown away in turn by a spaceship. <laughs> oh, that's the part that I remember very explicitly. I was like, I was awaiting the next mean team fucking thing and definitely didn't say to you, at least as far as I remember, how much I remember them exploding. They definitely did explode. <laughs> like, I for don't the remember any of what just happened, but I am like, glad that my favorite character survived, unlike all of the other characters that I was pretty all right with dying. Like, if you look, like, it's funny because if you look on, actually, I'm going to send, uh, no, I'm, I'm sending you an image, but do it. If you look, if you look on 541, they do get pretty black, like, it, 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 it's it's funny because the most of the team does in fact get blasted to pieces, but Henry Moon's body, the Panther's body, is mostly intact in this in this image. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm saying they were seeding it the whole time, Fox. Hold on, I gotta get my my, my, no, my do you screenshot because I'm, I'm to load up here. so excited. <sighs> I because I, I feel like they would fucker. take this out 
I feel like they would take this out. Shut up. This is Conrad uploading an image. This is the song of Conrad uploading an image. It's pretty good. That is pretty true. The only thing I'll say to you is this. I guess the cat was the one thing that didn't explode. So if you're going to go for continuity... You can see it's mostly intact there. He's mostly intact there, right? I mean, no, there's just debris around the thing. It is, I I would argue, pretty intact. There is a possibility that it wouldn't be. What I'm upset by is everybody seems to be cut through the middle. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember this. I'm, I'm going to say I don't remember this. I mean, it was what 100 I, progs ago, you know. What I will say is that this doesn't look like they're being decapitated. And they definitely make a whole thing of people being decapitated. Yeah, well, they're being blasted, they're being blasted to pieces, you know. Um, but I, so- do, I do like how on the second page how they kind of try to recreate that, but have, <laughs> have his head shooting off his body. Yeah, that was 170, so like 34 episodes ago or so. You know, good times. Oh, um, yeah. I'm not remembering that. I'm yeah. sorry, everyone. I'm not an encyclopedia the way that Conrad is. But so apparently, like, sort of the like editorial was like, hey, Hillary Robinson, like, you know, <laughs> we'd like you to, you know, if, if you want, uh, you should do a story about an existing 2080 character. And we're going to be watching your email servers. Mm. Mm. And so, <laughs> like the second mm was my favorite. <laughs> but she had a soft spot for Henry Moon from from Mean Team. He's kind of because you know, he's the best. Yeah, I think you had a similar one where she's like this man brain in a in a cat body. Like that's kind of an interesting it's thing. It's the best character. Yeah, so she's like, okay, like I'll pick this up and kind of uh, continue this guy's story on. We like. There's sort of some interesting discussion with her about it when when, when they did, an, did an, an interview with her about it in at the rad. in the the Judge Red magazine in 2014. That's rad. Um, but yeah, so she's you know, to me it almost feels like a uh, <laughs> like not 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 to compare Hillary Robinson to Jack Kirby, but it has a very like uh like a when Jack Kirby came to DC kind of thing. Um, when he introduced the new gods, part of that was through the Jimmy Olsen comic. Because he basically said, "Give me a lowest rated comic, and I'll I'll work on that one as well as do my original ones." You know, this feels like Robinson. Like, all right, I'll, I'll do a character, but I don't want to step on anybody's toes. So I'll just do this one by Hebden Bellardinelli that like no one really cares about. You know, <laughs> well, is that no one really cares? Okay, okay, that's fine. I'm not gonna get. Buddy, I'm not gonna get obsessive buddy, about the you- only last thing that we definitely sort of hated. You are not going to lie to me and say that you care about Mean Team right here. I'm no, I'm not, not going to say that not, I care not, about Mean not Team after right it came here. Back, yeah, no, we, you, you, no, Mean Team eighty four, fine. Mean oh, Team yeah. eighty six, get out of here. Uh, mean Team eighty six was like, let's eighty six these guys out of our life. You know, <laughs> you're off the podcast anyway. <laughs> anyway, here we I'm go. I'm glad Fox. that you got it. All right, yeah, all right. Course. Please tell me about a thing that I didn't like, and now like a little more, but probably a lot less. Yeah. So we're back at the blasting site as uh, these uh, jerks uh, are picking up the dead bodies of the mean team. Yeah, like you said, everybody's been decapitated. A lot of heads and shovels going on here. Um, they're picking up all the bodies. We even got a look at uh, Keller's panther cod piece here as they pick up his torso. <laughs> 
they <laughs> scoop up Emerald Eyes' head. Oh, it's all real bad. But I'll, it is kind of fun to see Ron Smith's versions of these characters, I guess. Oh, I kinda sure. Like when, sure. When characters have one artist that, that, that always drew them and then another person shows up and does their version of them, I guess. Um, but yeah, whole thing. Um, but even more crazy than all this carnage is that Henry Moon is still alive. Oh, hey, that one, the one person we all liked. Yeah. They trank him and Henry passes out and is taken to some kind of pod. As he sleeps and it seems that his, t- his panther legs have been bandaged and stuff. He remembers the glory days of the mean team and bad Jack winning score points and killing people. I am Henry Moon. I am human. I am alive. I am alive. Suddenly, we're, we're, we've switched from 2000 AD to hit Netflix show Tiger King as Henry wakes up in a cage. <laughs> oh, no, no. Surrounded really? by I other caged se- animals. I have the not su- seen it yet, and I really don't know if I can see it personally. You you probably should. Like, I don't want you to see it, Fox, just because I, I don't think I can handle you doing a bunch of Joe Exotic impressions. But oh. I want you to see it because I know you won't stop doing these fucking things. Um, anyway, <laughs> these, these Joe Exotic impressions they're just gonna you're you're gonna see we're just gonna have one episode where you're saying that that bitch carol fucking basket (laughs) i'm so excited i love aping on people shit the sign on the cage says midnight property of marcellus vaughn a robot tosses henry a food pellet and we learn that he's been here for about a month he remembers Uh, getting blown up during a match. We get some flashbacks to early Mean Team when it was good. And Bad Jack Keller bringing <laughs> him back to life as a panther. He uh, remembers that Jack promised to fix him, but it looks like that won't be true. A veterinary droid appears to remove the casts from Henry, locking the door behind it. As soon Hen- and soon Henry's able to move again. He makes an attempt to sneak out out the cage as the vet leaves, but suddenly there's a gun to his head. It's Marcellus Vaughn, son of mean team owner Richmond Vaughn that was killed in the early parts of the story. He's got a lot to discuss with Henry. Next what time. does Marcellus Vaughn look like? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Next time, you want me to do what? Kill Carol Baskin's husband? Oh, no. <laughs> and All I'm, right. I... I want to apologize to the masses again because this episode's coming out in June and that show <laughs> was hot in like late March. So, like, so, I mean, I know about that big cat rescue. I'll say I that worry, much. I worry about dating this show too much, but I can't. It's too it's too hot on my mind I, to not talk we about. Are reading, this, uh, we are this reading big a cat comic story, book Fox. in 1989. Dating what? Well, you can't. I, my idea I is know. I don't like to talk about current events to make the shows kind of timeless. Guess I imagine. I, I mean, we're not talking about current events. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about the Maymays. Fair. I'm just saying that, like. I, uh, you know, I, my dream is someone who is picking up this show as we finish 2000 AD far in the future, going back and listening. And suddenly there's all this like spring 2020 discussion. Like, I, what? No. I don't even know what these guys what, are talking what about. What you're actually doing is seeding for future Conrad types to go back onto the internet and try to understand what yeah, you're yeah. saying, to then understand what you're referencing in the comic that they then have to also look up. I mean, you're just helping Wikipedia get them clicks. Yeah, check out this hydroxychloroquine, guys. Oh, it's conspiracy. Oh, oh anyway. my God. Oh, my God. 
I don't I don't feel like that's going to age well, but it is definitely going to put us in our place in time. I might cut it out. I don't know. But anyway, no, um, that's great. No, that's <laughs> that's that's certified fresh from Fox. That's good. But speaking of selling things door to door, Fox, let's oh. go. <laughs> <laughs> Two, thrill seven, future shocks. Dude, you, you have no shame. I don't care. No, that's great. <laughs> that was First, funny. The follow up was more funny than all of the jokes prior to it. First story House of the Future, a scripter about Chris Gore. Gor- Gormley as Glenn Gormley. Art about Chris Weston. Learning about Annie Hafakri. Gormley's only work in the prog here. And this one might be an old one because Annie Parkhouse is still using her maiden name. Ah. And feels like along with a couple future shocks we had last episode, just a part of a big, a big like a uh, vault of Chris Weston future shocks that were lying around <laughs> that they just tossed <laughs> in here. This is the best future shock. The only good future shock because it is three pages. I will mm. just remark on that and now stay silent. Please enjoy. <laughs> An Conrad old lady talking. Agnes walks the English streets, finding it full of crappy buses, street thugs, and who knows what else. Luckily, her son is an architect and set up her home security system. She uh, sets it at for the night and goes to bed. When suddenly a hoodlum in a hood. Pries the window, her window open and climbs in. Or I guess like a baklava or whatever you call them in England. I don't know. But um, anyhow, this triggers the alarm and a trap door opens underneath him. Giant robot arms grab him and dump him into the house's gigantic central boiler. It's basically the same size as the rending vat that was in uh, Intel's The Doghouse this episode. <laughs> Agnes wakes up in the morning sweating. The, the heat's on and that means she must have had some visitors last night. Oh... Oh, wow. Your house is heated by the corpses of the innocent. Bam, bam, bam. I mean, not the innocent, yeah, though. Yeah, not so. You're fair. That's fair. Fair enough. I'd rather now, my, my house be heated by the corpse of the <laughs> The marginally uninnocent. Until the winter ones- comes, you got to get warm, and then you start, then becomes then a little you bit more start, proactive. Then you start Fox. doing the purge. Mm. Keep next story. corpses in your cellar. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of purges, I guess. Brand loyalty is our next story. Script oh. about Mike Collins. Art about Paul Marshall. and about Stella. Another story about a dystopian granny here. Uh, this time about how all companies bought each other out till there were only three big corporations left and they all went to war with each other. She says this as she's putting on techno armor and eventually rejects the idea that all the corporations are actually just one setting everybody against each other. Fully armored, she grabs her flamethrower and reminds us that when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping yeehaw and quite literally that she's gonna flame broil those delicious burger king burgers for you but you better not be a mcdonald's fascist where's the beef indeed fox that's what um, i'm talking about that's fucking <laughs> i think that's wendy's actually but the, it's, the no point it's true it they the don't cut corners that's why they got square patties whoa it's a lot of advertisements in this episode, Fox. I feel like we've got to talk <laughs> brought to somebody brought to you by getting by, paid. By Wendy's McWestburger. I mean, I don't know if that's a thing. I'm I'm not in the US anymore, and there's no Wendy's here, which is the most disgusting travesty about the EU. I feel like there's worse travesty. Oh no, that's the most travesty that's ever happened here. Fair enough. I don't want to talk politics, Fox. The final story <laughs> is the getting of wisdom. <laughs> Scripture about Art Mike Collins, Art about Dave DeAntiki, letting her about Gordon Robson as kid. Please continue, please. It's a fun episode. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's just, these Fox points. That's just it. where you broke me. That's all. 
<laughs> Albert so Lanthmore is an eccentric millionaire and philosopher plagued by door-to-door salesmen of all kinds. We see him kicking out an encyclopedia guy and returning to his life's work, a big old telescope. Spent a lot of money on it, and it works. He hears a voice from the heavens, and it offers him the knowledge of the celestial ancients. Just get a whole load of platinum, and all will be explained. He complies, bankrupting himself, and in a week, a silvery figure arrives. He gives the knowledge of the ancients, which is, of course, the first volume of Encyclopedia Galactica from A4, from A form to Abstrata. Uh, the whole thing oh, is God. just an entire it's galactic encyclopedia salesman. Bah, bah, bah. So my my grandfather when I was a kid, when I was staying at his house because I I didn't understand what this was until much later in life. Like it would just be me and my my granddad hanging out, and they mm-hmm. they have in their their area. You just hang a, a you know a no solicitor sign over everything, yeah. but they don't listen to that. Um. And so, my grandfather, I would be like, hey, someone's coming to the door. My grandfather would look at it and be like, oh, no. And they just shut off all the lights while the guy was at the door <laughs> ringing the doorbell. <laughs> and then we would just sit in the dark and my grandfather would just talk to me about nonsense. And then just wait until the guy was gone. He's like, all right, let's go watch TV. <laughs> that feels less like an encyclopedia salesman, more like a bill collector, Fox. I don't want to pull toss a pal. I, I'm just saying your, that if there's on one your thing, if there's one thing my grandfather taught me, it was how to avoid anybody you didn't want to talk to. And that's by making Fair. it very clear that even as you approach the house with all the lights on, you just turn all the lights off and don't even fucking try to contact yeah. me. Fox, have you ever... But, you know, I actually had like a, a a door-to-door salesman guy come to my house once he's trying to sell like some weird power thing. I don't know. And really? then I remember real vividly some Jehovah's Witnesses somehow getting into an apartment building I was in. And oh. I, I heard them through the door knock on someone else's apartment. I was like, shit, I better, I better put some pants on. Ready to tell <laughs> these guys to just stay away. Anyway, <laughs> no one, no one wants to buy your weird book about looking at crystals in a hat. That's all I'm saying. I'll say, Fox, for me, the craziest thing about this encyclopedia that this guy has bought yeah. is that he doesn't – is that there's got to be so many volumes of it. It doesn't even get <laughs> – it gets to AB, Fox. It goes from oh. like the thing where the A and the E are the same letter to ABS. Those are the first three letters of the final entry of this, oh, of this thing. Oh, God. That's an endless bullshit Britannica. I'll, but, I mean, counterpoint, before you freak out, I mean, it might be worth looking through. There might be some, some shit in there that you could sell and, like, you know. So so what <laughs> you're saying is make, it's a pyramid scheme? Come I'm saying on, you man. Could, you could make money off of human develop, uh, you know, by advancing human development one volume at a time, Fox. <sighs> I mean, that's somewhat fair. But I feel Maybe. like that's definitely not what they're trying to say with the exclamation point at no. the end. Oh, no. No, he just thinks he's ruined. I'm saying that you got to, you know, when life gives you encyclopedias, you got to make encyclopedia aid, Fox. See, that's the thing. I would drink knowledge juice. I drink that straight up knowledge juice from you. I We could start. I, I mean, look. One man's cu- one man's cult is another man's pyramid scheme. That's I feel all I'm like saying. The, the alternate name for this podcast is 2080 Knowledge Juice Fox. <laughs> 
Listen, uh, guys, we're we're selling our uh, just as an aside, you know, just our sponsors for this evening, our uh, 2008 uh, Knowledge Juice brand juice. Mm-hmm. Of course, there is uh, the Super Brain supplement. It will protect you against all things that uh, you know are cosmic, but also enlighten you in ways that you may not have uh, experienced before. And it comes in a monthly box. Anyway, Fox, we're done with these thrills. <laughs> are we? Can't. Are we done with thrills? No, because we got to talk about our top and bottom ones. Fox, what are your top and bottom thrills? I mean, it, this one's an easy one for me. Are you ready for that bottom? I never want to see future shocks again when things are this good. I mean, they, things were great this month. Nice. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, from, uh, from the front page to the back page, except for the parts that I really didn't want to read. I mm. didn't think that I would read Survivor, which is definitely, you know, it escaped the bottom. Um, my favorite part, by the way, of Survivor is where they just kicked a man Jack's head. Yeah. Like a fucking soccer ball. Uh, however, for my top man, I mean, there is, I, I feel like there's only one clear winner and only one clear, clear like loser for the entirety of this. I'm interested mm-hmm. to hear what you say. So of course my loser, anytime that there's three things of future shocks that I did not want to read in comparison. Top. Strontium Dog. Ooh. I mean, it's just good. Uh it it caught me off guard, though not I mean, we talked about this for quite a while. Yeah. Look, Strontium Dog's great. Uh, I I actually implore anybody who's just listening to this to go back and read <laughs> and read the final solution. Yeah. <laughs> that feels like no, that's a hor that you you understand why that's a horrible thing to say. Sure. However, like Strontium Dog, this one you should read. I mean it's what uh, it's called, you know? So that's how it goes. No, I know. Uh, it's just there's there's a triple entendre there that I'm very yeah. excited about. It, a, it is yeah. fantastic. The visuals are 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 uh, fanatical, uh, and when the tongues come out, that's when you know shit's getting good. That's true. <laughs> like it it is the it is the weirdest thing that I might have ever said. But when the tongues come out, that's when shit gets real. And the whole thing gets better for it. It's uh, it's strontium dug to the nth degree that I did not know that I needed. Um, and it's what I got and what I was really happy about. And that isn't to say everything else wasn't good. There were bits and parts of this month that I liked. Um, they were just less interesting. Like Medivac gets a special mention, although half of it was not something I wanted to read mm-hmm. as an example. Um Anderson, of course, was fantastic. However, standing in the face of of Strontium Dog right now, I I feel like there isn't much of a comparison. It's something that I want to continue to read, but so secondary. And so when I'm trying to uh, make my case for all of this, Conrad, I'm just treading water here because quite frankly, what I want to know is why don't you agree with me? Or if you do agree with me, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll disagree because I I I liked Anderson a lot. I I put so her good. as my top because that's really it's fun. So um, good. I like just like Anderson dealing with her life as a judge, and then um like we talked about just the the juxtaposition between say um like uh, the girls and uh and and Eric, you know, just yeah. with their life and stuff. 
Um, and it just does a really good job of, of creating all these characters and having them interact and then mm. mix it in with the ridiculousness of like uh, spontaneous combustion and uh, <laughs> monsters and things like that. It's really everything I'm looking for in these stories, you know, well, and, and heartfelt, sinister, right? Like sinister actually, joggers, all kinds of stuff. It's yeah. Sinis, sinister joggers. What I, what I love about it and what I think like you're laying down, it's like there, there are complicated topics that are being put down in yeah. this Anderson comic. But it's That's still also about psychic powers and like future stuff. So yeah, it's exactly. it, it really it's really varied, and I think that's a really cool thing for it to do in a, in a 2080 throw. Um, mm. For bottom, nah, uh, um, yeah. I'm tempted to say future shocks as well, but I think I'll just say um, uh, like that. That's a real good choice. I think for me, it's between that. And probably Survivor, I think. Oh, re- like, I mean, I'm there with you, but it's also it's that the Survivor is uh, okay. I'm I'm but, speaking for yeah, you, but I do think that th- that Survivor is kind of interesting. Like, I think the writing, especially, is re- is is really cool. Like, just the way Robinson sort of writes this helplessness mm. that Henry Moon has that I think is okay. Um, and I do like Ron, you know, I, I'm happy to see Ron Smith back in a regular thrill. Yeah. And it's interesting to see his version of these, uh, Bellardinelli characters. So, you know, if you're, if you're going to pop the top on future shocks, I'll certainly join you with having that I, be, be the bottom thrill. I, I, so I will say this much, uh, cause I, I actually kind of agree with you with the difficulty of this. Do you feel that Survivor is just such a cop out? Do you know what I mean no. by that? Where it's like, uh, I mean, like, it's so, uh, like, not that, because I, I didn't expect Henry, I, I didn't even remember that they got killed, to be yeah. frank. Uh, but, like, the story itself, to me, at least the setup for it, I'm I'm into because it's Henry Moon. Mm-hmm. It's a character I know. I mean, I, th- but, I think that was the character that we definitely like the most from that story. But imagine but does- that I'm a person that's reading 639 for the first point. Oh yeah, no. I mean, what does this defi- mean? <laughs> yeah, this one definitely re- re- like re- rewards the long term two thousand AD reader for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, it's the mo- it's it's the most random possible two thousand AD story for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's got plus that that's got that's got strikes for and against it. You know, it's like bringing back Death Planet randomly, but it's starring the Pikachu's. Oh my god. I don't do you see that. what I mean? I don't know. Like, yeah. like I, I like I get it. I I do. I just I feel like I get you in terms of like how disappointing this thing is, but it's like it's better than zero. Yeah. Um. I just but not there, better the than first, night zero. The first <laughs> the first future shock I actually enjoyed. I thought it was funny. The second one I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's another grandma and it's kind of funny. And the third one I was like, I'm done. This is future shocks. Uh yeah. I mean, it's just one, a standard of it and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't anyway. I don't know what to take of it because it's it's hard to always choose a bottom now, but Survivor's kind of disappointing. It's, yeah, there's, it's not even it's not even Marcellus Vaughn, you know. Well, I mean, I mean the the, the main Vaughn, Richmond Vaughn, was killed when the yes. team escaped. So this is like his son, basically. We'll, we'll learn yeah. about it next episode. Um, and and also, I hope everybody enjoyed this one. As always, you can find Space Pit of 2000 on iTunes, Dish, Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacepit of 2000com Feel free to contact us at spacepinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacepinner2k. Everything else is spacepinner2000. You'll find us there. <gasps> and come back next time as we'll start and finish the next chapter of Moonrunners, close out the Anderson what? and Mean Team stories. 
Yeah, Moonrunners, buddy. What? Um, <laughs> what? Dread, yeah. Dread will deal with some fancy underpants and children's shows and then head to Cardboard City to meet an old friend. Oh, that and finally, great. we'll be starting um, the Indigo, Pri- Indigo Prime adjacent farce, the Isagiri Variations. So please wish me luck trying uh, to make sense of that. What does that... I mean, does it... Is what you said words? Kinda. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid Splendid Earth 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 Earth